You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Suleiman, let's meet The Firsts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. A'udhu billahi s-salamu alayhi wa shaytan rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalameen. Wa la'aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. So, bidhinnahi ta'ala, as we go through the examples of those that are embracing Islam early on, uh, one of the things that becomes uh, just such an added layer of beauty is how you actually are able to see the way that these people who entered into Islam around the same time, that first batch of Muslims, also seem to have found them, themselves around one another at the time of death. And so uh, if you don't want to watch the rest of this, then you can just fast forward to the end, inshallah ta'ala, when you can. But I was just uh, reflecting on the beauty of the relationship that we'll find, for example, between Abu Dhar and Abdullah bin Mas'ud and so on and so forth. So you'll start to see the way that some of these companions actually maintained a lifelong connection with one another. And uh, it's just beautiful when you see the way that they came in, especially considering that the original class of Muslims for the most part felt uh, or, the, or they, they fit a certain type of profile. And so tonight, we're going with Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who is really, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it feels strange to say one of my favorite companions, but in terms of his story, there is such a, a powerful uh, beauty to his story, like the other Sahaba. But Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is one of those that's not very appreciated, uh, though a lot of the religion as we have it today, we have through his questions to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that would fit us as well. You know, with Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we, we, we mentioned that so much of the religion as we have it came through Ibn Mas'ud, whether it's Qur'an or Hadith or Fiqh or whatever it is. With Abu Dhar, it's his curiosity that makes its way into Hadith literature that sometimes gets to us as well and gives us hope in some of our moments. So I'm going to go through, inshallah ta'ala, his life and his entrance into Islam. But to introduce him first, his name was actually Jundub ibn Janada, Jundub ibn Janada, or Jundub al-Ghifari. Abu Dhar, of course, is his nickname and what he's famous for and how he is referenced in the books of Hadith. He is described as someone who has very dark skin, but he was a black Arab, so he was not from uh, those of Abyssinia, but he was a black Arab. And he comes from this tribe of Ghifar, which is particularly known as a tribe of bandits. So it's really interesting. His tribe is a scary tribe, a tribe that everyone feared because they were known to be highway robbers. They uh, dwelled on the outskirts of the cities and they would attack the caravans as they came through. And Abu Dhar happens to belong to one of those tribes, to a, a very prominent tribe in regards to its theft, which is the Ghifar uh, tribe, uh, which, which are found um, to the uh, south of Al-Madinah. Now, Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, however, and as we see, the Prophet ﷺ teaches us that some of those that had good qualities before Islam uh, maintained those good qualities. Islam. One element of that, that the best of you in the days of ignorance are the best of you in Islam, 
is that those that had good qualities would only further polish them in Islam. So Abu Dhar is someone that is known to have shunned the way of his people. Uh, he was not someone that would partake in the highway robbery or the theft. He's someone that was known to be a very, uh, a very serious and a very detached young man. And that's actually very important because the Sahaba have different personalities and it fit them well in regards to their journey in Islam and then their contribution to Islam. Okay, so Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is not Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Abu Dhar is very different. He is someone who is detached from this world at a very young age. He's someone that did not really care for the ways of his people. He was not very social at all. He didn't have many friends. You can start to see that very early on in his formation that Abu Dhar was someone that was a loner. He kept to himself even before Islam. And that personality of being introverted and keeping to himself would continue within Islam as well. So he was someone that kept to himself. Um, he also uh, seems to have been someone that was, uh, you know, in rejection of the idols to an extent. He didn't really believe in, in the idols. He didn't believe in the ways of the people of Mecca. So he leaned towards monotheism already. And he's considered from the du'afa. He's considered from the weak and the marginalized. And of course, that fits, again, the profile, as Imam al-Zuhri rahimahullah says, of those that were embracing Islam very early on for the most part. Weak, young, um, uh, marginalized, not very interested or, or disillusioned with some of the, the predominant ways of their people. And so Tawheed and some of the implications of Tawheed resonate with them right away. He's from, uh, as we said, the Ghifar tribe and Ghifar is from uh, Banu Kinana. And Banu Kinana is the overarching tribe from which Quraysh also comes. So th there is a relationship, a distant relationship between Ghifar and Quraysh as well. So Abu Dhar is, you know, someone that tends to the outskirts of the city. He shepherds sheep, just like Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, shuns the ways of his people. And while he was in the Waddan Desert, uh, he hears about a prophet that arose in Mecca. Now, subhanAllah, it didn't take him much time uh, to start to inquire about who this person was that was claiming to be a prophet. And here's one of my favorite things about the story of Abu Dhar is that it's narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas And you'll see that the story of some of the early companions' conversions are narrated by Ibn Abbas even though he wasn't even born when Abu Dhar became Muslim. How is that? Because Abdullah ibn Abbas would go to the companions and he would ask them their stories. He was a student of knowledge and became the scholar of this ummah. He would go and he would sleep at the doorsteps of the companions and ask them questions, ask them about their time with the Prophet and ask them their stories. So the famous long hadith about Salman al-Farsi is narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas Likewise, when it comes to Abu Dhar, his story, his, uh, his uh, most detailed description of how he embraced Islam does not come through you know, some of the uh, uh, broader chains of narration that we find in books of Sirah typically, but actually through a hadith in Bukhari narrated from Ibn Abbas uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma in this uh, hadith by Abu Jamra, and I'll mention some of the other narrations within as well to give the full story of Abu Dhar. He actually asks the companions, he says to them, uh, his companions meaning later on, shall I tell you the story of how Abu Dhar became Muslim? So they said yes. So he starts to say that Abu Dhar said that I was a man from the tribe of Ghifar. And we heard that a man had appeared in Mecca 
that was claiming to be a prophet. So I said to my brother, and in some of the other narrations, his brother's name is Anis. I said to my brother, uh, go, to, go to Mecca and you know, talk to this man and see if you can bring me some news. Go find out what's happening in Mecca with this man that's claiming to be a prophet and come back and let me know. So Abu Dhar's brother goes out to Mecca. He inquires a bit, gets a feel for what's happening in Mecca and understands that there is a man that's claiming prophethood. And he starts to get a feel for who Muhammad is and what his role in society is and how he was recognized before Islam for his good qualities and what the nature of his call is. And he comes back to Abu Dhar anhu, and Abu Dhar said, I asked him, so what news do you have with you? So listen to what he says. He says, Wallahi, I saw a man who has such a noble set of qualities. He has a, he has a noble character. And يَأْمُرُ بِالْخَيْرِ وَيَنْهَا عَنِ الشَّرِّ He enjoins what is good and he forbids what is evil. So the description that he comes away with from the Prophet ﷺ is noble character, مَكَارِمِ الْأَخْلَاقِ And the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمِ الْأَخْلَاقِ That I was only sent to perfect good character. So he said, I saw him, a man with noble character, who commands good, who enjoins good, and who forbids evil. And so Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, is that all you have? He said, that's all I have. He said, that's not enough for me. So Abu Dhar says, I took my water skin and my stick and I proceeded towards Mecca. He said, neither did I know him, meaning the Prophet sallallahu nor did I want to ask anyone about him because maybe I'd get in trouble then. So he said, I wanted to just go sort of feel things out myself. So he said, I went to the Haram. So imagine now we've, we've sort of told the story of Ibn Mas'ud and some of the early people around the Kaaba. He said, I went to the Haram and I kept on drinking Zamzam. So I kept on drinking from the well of Zamzam and sitting in the Haram until eventually Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu noticed me. So I didn't know Ali, nor did he know me. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu comes up to me and he says, It seems like you're from out of town. It seems like you're a stranger. So Abu Dhar says, yes. So he told me to come on and I proceeded with him to his house and he did not ask me anything, nor did I tell him anything. So Ali is of course a young man, uh, you know, who's taking me and I'm just walking with him. He's caring for me, showing me hospitality, but he's not asking me any information about myself, nor am I volunteering any information about myself. So I went with Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then in the morning, I went to the masjid, again, to the haram. I sat around there and I tried to collect some information without being obvious about the Prophet ﷺ again. So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed me by again. And he uh, says to me, uh, is, Hasn't the man at this point recognized his dwelling place? Meaning, you know, if you came here from out of town and you were waiting for someone or you were looking to meet someone or you were supposed to go somewhere, you would have figured it out by now, right? So, you know, shouldn't you have recognized your dwelling place, that your, you know, your, your location uh, at this point? So Abu Dhar is still being very secretive. He, he just said, I said to him, no. So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, okay, fine, come with me again. So Ali is wondering who he is. Abu Dhar does not know who Ali is, nor does he know anything about the Prophet or Ali's relationship to the Prophet So while Ali and Abu Dhar are walking, Ali says to me, you know, uh, so what are you here for? You know, what's your what's your, uh, your your business here? What's brought you here? What is it that you're looking for? So I said to Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, I said, listen, 
if you keep my secrets, uh, I will tell you. So will you keep my secret? If I tell you why I'm here, will you not tell anyone else? So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, uh, fine, I, I won't tell anyone what your secret is. So Abu Dhar said, so I told Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, بَلَغَنَا أَنَّهُ قَدْ خَرَجَهَا هُنَا رَجْلٌ يَزْعُمُ أَنَّهُ نَبِي He said, it reached us that there is a man that's come out in this area that claims to be a prophet. So he said, I sent my brother to come get some information out here, but what he came back with was too little and I wasn't satisfied. So I wanted to come here and meet him myself. So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu smiled and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, أَمَا إِنَّكَ قَدْ رَشَدْتَ He said, Verily, you have, you know, you have been guided uh, to the right way. You've been, you've reached your goal. So he says, uh, I was actually just on my way to go see him. He says, So come with me to meet the Prophet So he did not know. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, you know, of course, is who he is. So Ali radiallahu anhu says, just come on with me uh, to meet him. But this was a clear sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guiding Abu Dhar that of all people that would catch him in Mecca and start to talk to him, it was Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Imagine if it was one of the enemies of the Prophet So in any case, Ali says, come with me, I was going towards him now anyway. And Ali radiallahu anhu says, listen, uh, when I enter or wherever I go, follow me. He said, but if I see someone who is suspicious, then I'm just going to stand near a wall and I'm going to pretend to work on my shoes, to mend my shoes, and you should go away from me at that point. So if we're walking and it gets suspicious, because everyone knows who Ali is, right? So if it's clear that you're following me and someone starts to pick up on that, then I'm just going to take to the wall, I'm going to start playing with my shoes a bit, and you go ahead and you disappear, right? Or, or you distance yourself until that person's gone and then we can uh, rejoin. So Abu Dhar said, I've got it. He said, Ali went forward and I followed him until we entered a place and I entered with him uh, to meet the Prophet Sallallahu And at that point, what does Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu say? As-salamu alayka ya Rasulullah. Peace be unto you, O Messenger of Allah. And the Prophet Sallallahu says, wa alayka salam or wa alayka salamullah wa rahmatuhu wa barakatuh. And upon you the peace of Allah, his mercy and his blessings. Very simple, right? It's just salam. Except here's the thing. Abu Dhar was the very first person to use as-salamu alayka. Okay? So subhanAllah, the first person, when you talk about first, the first to greet the Prophet ﷺ with salam and to be greeted by the Prophet ﷺ with salam, with the greeting of al-Islam, was Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this was the context of that incident, subhanAllah. So just as he was guided to meet Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, in the uh, proximity of the Kaaba, he was guided to greet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with As-Salam Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So if you want to know where Salam comes from now, then it gives a new special layer to it. We can imagine the first conversation between Abu Dhar and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he said, after I said Salam to him and he responded with Salam, I asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, al Islam. Can you present Islam to me? So he said, the Prophet ﷺ presented Islam to me. He said, فَأَسْلَمْتُ مَكَانِي He said, I accepted Islam right away, right in that spot. I did not move. I didn't take time to think about it. Right away, I accepted Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ said to me, يَا أَبَا أُكْتُمْ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ O Abu Dhar, um, conceal this affair. وَارْجِعْ إِلَى بَلَدِكَ فَإِذَا بَلَغَكَ ذُهُورُنَا فَأَقْبِلْ he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that um, keep your conversion secret, 
return to your place, return to your people. And when you hear of our victory, فَاقْبِلْ Then you can return to us at that point. So the Prophet ﷺ uh, is, is giving him instructions here to be careful, right? How early was the conversion of Abu Dharr radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Uh, it is around the same time as Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So we're talking about very, very early on. Again, it's always, um, you know, when we're talking about these early people embracing Islam, some people put him before Ibn Mas'ud, some people put him after Ibn Mas'ud. May Allah be pleased with them all. So the Prophet ﷺ told him that. Now, Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is a man who uh, does not have any fear. And he tells the Prophet ﷺ, by the one who has sent you with the truth, he said, I will announce my conversion to Islam publicly to them. I'm going to tell them, Ya Rasulullah. Why would I keep it secret? Ya Rasulullah, this is beautiful. I'm going to go ahead and tell them all that I became Muslim. Abu Dhar comes from a tribe of people that don't fear anything. Right? So Abu Dhar says, I'm going to go ahead and announce my conversion to Islam publicly. Now, Ibn Mas'ud was the first to recite the Qur'an publicly. The first to announce his Islam publicly around the Kaaba is Abu Dhar in this situation. He goes out to the Kaaba and he says, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, inni ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. O Quraysh, I testify that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. He said, as soon as I said that, the Quraysh got up and they said, uh, get at, you know go you know uh, uh, get this 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 uh, sabi this Muslim, and they got up and they merely they almost beat me to death. So Abu Dhar is recounting the experience that they stepped on him, they beat him, they almost beat me to death. Now, Al Abbas who saw me, and he threw himself over me to protect me. So Al Abbas once again playing an integral role. And Al-Abbas, of course, was a nobleman and someone that was respected. He turned around to the people to, to then shoo them away. Now, is he going to say, Are you going to kill a man for saying, My Lord is Allah? Or is he going to say something that works with these people? What does he say? He says, You people want to kill a man from Ghifar and your trade goes through the territory of Ghifar? Like, are you thinking about the implications if you hurt or if you kill a man from Ghifar, what Ghifar is going to do to Quraysh because they're a tribe of bandits and highway robbers. So the reputation of Ghifar saved Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu in this situation. So the people, you know, they thought about it and they said, you know, he has a point and they left him alone. The next morning Abu Dhar said, I went back. He's still telling his story. And I said again, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, inni ashadu an la ilaha Allah, wa ashadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. He did it again and he said, they beat me again. And Al-Abbas came to me and he did the same thing again. And he stopped me once again. So Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, I went back to the Prophet and he saw my condition. And the Prophet said, didn't I tell you to keep your Islam secret and go back to your people? He said, Ya Rasulullah, it was a need within me and I fulfilled that need. I felt the need to do so. So the Prophet said, go back to your people and tell them what you have seen and heard. Call them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it may be that Allah will bring them good through you and reward you through them. And when you hear that I have that I've come out uh, in the open, then come back to me. So the Prophet says, "Go back to your people and do them uh, da'wah, and wait until you hear instructions from me about the next step." So Abu Dhar returns to his people, and as soon as he gets back to his people, who comes up to him first? His brother. Remember his brother who he sent. So his brother asked him. He said, "What is it that happened? What, what you know? What did you do?" 
And he said that I told my brother that I became Muslim and that I believe in the truth of this man that you had uh, went and inquired about, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So his brother responded and he said, you know, I feel the same way. I'm not, I, I don't, I, I felt a, a connection to this deen. So he said, I believe in what you believe in too. So his brother immediately accepted Islam. So then Abu Dhar and his brother go to their mother and they say, let's invite her to Islam. They invite her to Islam. She said, you know, and these were simple people. She said, it makes sense. I, I see no reason not to accept Islam. So I, I accept Islam as well. These people don't have the tribal restrictions, right? They're simple. They, they just need to hear, you know, what makes sense and what resonates with their fitrah. Everything is already out of the way. Their natural disposition towards monotheism already kicks in. So Abu Dhar, right away, his brother accepts Islam. His mother accepts Islam. Then they go out and they start to tell the rest of Ghifar about Islam. And eventually, so many people from Ghifar became Muslim that Abu Dhar started to lead them in some form of congregational prayer. Now remember, the five prayers were not yet instituted until Medina, but at least Abu Dhar was leading them in Qiyam, was leading them in whatever form of Salah was coming, and his people were embracing Islam in large numbers. So what happens, subhanAllah, uh, the Prophet makes hijrah, Abu Dhar now has a way to come to, come to, the, uh, to meet the Prophet to bring his tribes. And this was the man والسلام, who used to say, Oh Allah, guide them and bring them to me. Uh, when they got to Medina, uh, Abu Dhar comes with the tribe of Ghifar and another tribe, Banu Aslam, which is a, a similar tribe. And they are so many people that, um, you know, uh, it, it seemed like they were even an attacking army. Abu Dhar had so many people that embraced Islam on his hand that it seemed like it was an army that was attacking. And so the people saw it and they were amazed by this large number of people. They came to the Prophet Wasallam, and they were, you know, men, women, uh, children, all of them as Muslims. And Abu Dhar radiallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, I brought you my people as Muslims, subhanAllah. Imagine how much joy the Prophet felt when he saw all of these people had embraced Islam. So Abu Dhar did as he was told, brought all of these people to Islam and they respected him and they held him in high esteem. And SubhanAllah, the large number amazed the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, I was thinking about this, SubhanAllah, I remember I was once, um, uh, uh, you know, in, in a conversation uh, with an Imam who works in the inner cities. And uh, while we were texting, he said, he said, you know, I just gave shahada to 55 people. I said, what? What do you mean you just gave shahada to 55 people? Just like that? He said, yeah, it was a gang of 55 people. I just gave shahada to a whole gang. And I was like, subhanAllah, are you serious? And he took a picture of them all praying Salat al-Jama'ah for the first time. Literally a gang that had accepted Islam all at the, at the same time, all at his hands, subhanAllah. And so I was thinking about this hadith of Ghifar, which was known to be, you know, the, the, the highway robbers of the time. And they all come to the Prophet ﷺ as Muslims at that time. So do not withhold Islam from anybody. You never know, subhanAllah, you never know who's going to embrace Islam. And you never know at what point uh, things are going to, uh, to, to, to come to uh, the Prophet ﷺ, come to the way of Muhammad ﷺ in a way that would be pleasing to Allah and His Messenger So do not discount anybody. Do not uh, find anyone unworthy of da'wah. And this is one of the lessons that we take from here. 
uh, as well, that you know everyone deserves this, this beautiful message and you never know who's going to come forward. So this was the tribe of Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they came forth. Now, possibly the most famous incident about Abu Dhar is this incident of him um, uh, using language that, uh, that hurts the feelings of who was reported to be Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, right? That incident of Abu Dhar and Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And I want to talk about this incident because it doesn't take away from Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu in any way, especially the way that it unfolded. This happened on the way to Hijrah, okay? This narration is on the way to Hijrah, that Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu got into an argument with a black man, and some of the narrations suggest that it was Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, though that's not definitive, right? But in any case, that he says to Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says to this man, Yabna uh, Souda, you son of a black woman. Now again, Abu Dhar was a black Arab. So the indication here is that son of a black woman here is referring to uh, Habasha, an Ard al-Habasha from Abyssinia, not necessarily the skin color. But he gets into this argument with the man, and he says this, this, this term, Yabna Souda, and uh, he goes to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the Prophet says, did you uh, call his mother bad names? Did you really insult him with his mother? And he said that you are a man that still has some of the traits of jahiliyyah. Abu Dhar missed the tarbiyah. He did not have the mentorship and the culture of the Prophet and his, and his companions in Mecca and Dar al-Arqam and some of the other ways that they were being trained. And that made Abu Dhar feel so bad, subhanAllah, to hear that, that, that admonishment from the Prophet and of course, we know that he makes toba, and, uh, and and you know his toba is beautiful, right? I mean, it's uh, complete humility, um, you know, asking for for uh, for retribution, asking for uh, anything to be taken upon him, and learning a beautiful lesson from that. So much so that we find that Abu Dhar radiAllahu ta'ala anhu later on there's a narration. In fact, the narration in which Abu Dhar narrates that this happened with him is he was walking and there was. Uh, you know, th there was a, a, a freed slave that was wearing a burd, that was wearing a, a garment, just like Abu Dhar, and it was a really nice garment. And he was feeding him the same way, he was treating him the same way, he was giving him all of the exact same things that he was given. So it was a, a mawla, someone that was under his care. So Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when he did that, someone said to him, you know, it's, it's amazing that uh, you know, he's dressed in the exact same way as you. And Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentioned this incident that took place with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And he said that, uh, the Prophet sallallahu said that they are your brothers that Allah has put under your command. So the one under whose hand Allah has put his brother should feed him of what he eats, dress him of what he wears, and should not ask him to do anything beyond his capacity. And if at all he asks him to do a hard task, then he should help him in that task. And Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu became known for freeing uh, slaves. Uh, so this became a, an actual habit of Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And by the way, you know, we, there's even a famous uh, slave, uh, Christian slave by the name of, of John uh, ibn Huwayt, uh, who, who he had freed that fought alongside Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu on the day of his massacre. So freeing those that were enslaved became a habit of Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this famous hadith uh, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that there is no virtue over one with white skin or black skin, or there's no virtue for one with white skin or black skin, except by uh, taqwa. 
this is narrated by Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he's the one that narrates that there is no virtue. Of course, the Prophet said this on multiple occasions, but here that there's no virtue uh, of one with white skin over one with black skin, except by righteousness, except by piety and taqwa. And it's a hadith in Musnad al-Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala. So this does not take from the status of Abu Dhar because it was part of his learning and his part of coming to Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And how do we know that this does not take away from the status of Abu Dhar? And this is, you know, a lesson for, for, for those of us in redemption as well, right? You know, imagine how demoralizing it could be for the Prophet to say to you that you still have traits of the days of ignorance, traits of jahiliyyah. You might think you'll never get ahead because of that, right? But what did the Prophet say about Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu? He said, مَا أَضَلَّتِ الْخَطْرَاءُ وَلَا أَقَلَّتِ الْغَبْرَاءُ أَصْدَقَ مِنْ أَبِي ذَرُ that the earth has, there, there is no one more truthful that the sky has shaded or that the earth has carried than Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. There is no person more truthful that the sky has shaded and that the earth has ever carried than Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And so that shows us that, you know, there's hope, subhanAllah, even for a person that fell into that level of being admonished by the Prophet ﷺ, that he was able to rise to be spoken about in such a praiseworthy way by the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. And some of the scholars, they mentioned that one of the reasons why the Prophet ﷺ mentioned a sidq here is because Abu Dhar is someone who's never afraid to speak the truth. He's someone that holds himself most accountable to the truth and he fears not the repercussions of the truth. And so, Abu Dhar, as harsh as he will be with everyone else, as we'll see that he had a harsh personality. And that's why the Prophet says to Abu Dhar uh, that he doesn't recommend him. He tells him that you shouldn't take a position of leadership. Because, you know, th there were certain signs of weakness that would not fit him as a leader. And this was from the place of Nasiha. The Prophet said, because I love for you what I love for myself. Ya Abu Dhar, innaka da'if, you're weak. And it is an amana. Wa innaha yawm al-qiyamati khizyun. It's a trust and on the day of judgment it will be a source of regret and remorse if you don't do right by it. So I don't recommend you. You should not take a position of leadership, Abu Dhar. So he, he is someone that has a particular personality, a particular, uh, a particular stern nature that he holds himself accountable to first. So he's not arrogant or rough with others and not rough with himself. He's rougher with himself than everybody else. But you know, he, he's not suited to be a leader for uh, certain reasons because of perhaps some of the scholars say that Laif here is referring to temperament or maybe he'll be rough, not necessarily status or things of that sort. He might be rough with the people. So he is the most truthful man as the Prophet said that ever walked uh, the face of the earth. And uh, of course, this excludes the prophets of Allah. And this was a form of praise and thana. Uh, for Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and we take it at what it means at, at its value that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was uh, you know was, was, was emphasizing the sidq the truthfulness of Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu so what are some other things to pay attention to with this man with Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu now came to Medina he uh, establishes himself as a very unique personality someone who is very dedicated to the truth someone that uh, does not shy away from the implications um, of the truth. How do we how do we deal with this? Well, uh, we start to see that there are so many ahadith, so many ahadith 
of Abu Dharr asking the Prophet some questions, keeping his company, asking him questions. And as a result of that, subhanAllah, we have so many things that not only Abu Dharr applied as virtues for us to try to apply as well, but, um, but things that, that give us hope as people that are, that are disconnected from the, the era of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I'll go through some of these narrations. Uh, one of them is uh, narrated by Anas Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhu, that the Prophet Sallallahu met Abu Dharr Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhu and he said, Ya Abu Dharr, O Abu Dharr, shall I not show you two qualities that are light as a burden, but heavy on your scale than others, heavier on your scale than others? Let me tell you of two things that are not too hard, but at the same time, they're heavy on the mizan. And Abu Dhar said, of course, Ya, ya Rasulullah, of course, O Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet said, Alayka bi husnil khuluq wa samt. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that you should observe husnil khuluq, good character, wa samt, and long periods of silence. And he said, by the one in whose hand is the soul of Muhammad وسلم, this is the Prophet speaking, he said, no one will behave with two deeds more beloved to Allah than these two. So silence is important, long periods of silence and good character are heavy in the sight of Allah. Uh, you find a hadith of Abu Dharr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, which is so relevant to us now. Abu Dharr was the one who said to the Prophet وسلم, Ya Rasulullah, a man loves a people, but he cannot keep up with them in regards to their good deeds. He loves a people, but his good deeds are not like their good deeds. And the Prophet ﷺ said to Abu Dhar, O Abu Dhar, anta ma'man ahbabt. You will be with the one that you love. And Abu Dhar anhu was so pleased. He said, I love Allah and his messenger And the Prophet you know, repeated, فَإِنَّكَ مَعْمَنْ أَحْبَبْتْ Then you will be with the one that you love. SubhanAllah. So the idea of you are with those that you love, we get this from Abu Dharr radiallahu ta'ala anhu as well. The famous hadith where Abu Dharr where, uh, where some of the companions are complaining that the rich sahaba have taken all of the good deeds because they have money to give charity and we don't. This hadith is narrated in one narration from Abu Dharr radiallahu ta'ala anhu personally Asking the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, the rich are running away with all the hasanat. We don't have the wealth that they have to spend, to give in charity. And the Prophet responds and he gives Abu Dhar the prescription of sadaqah that we have as well to say SubhanAllah 33 times, Alhamdulillah 33 times, Allahu Akbar 33 times, followed by La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah, lahu mulk wa alhamd wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. After every prayer. So this hadith we also take from the Prophet ﷺ through Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So that's the nature of the questioning of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu is how do I keep up? How do I keep up Ya Rasulullah? Because Abu Dhar in his sidq, in his truthfulness, always felt like he was deficient with his good deeds. And that's a sign of truthfulness. That a person's truthful with themselves, so they're always aspiring for more. They never are complacent. And that was, of course, As-Siddiq, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu more than anyone else. Never complacent with his situation. So, so many of these ahadith that come through Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu of asking how to stay uh, at pace with those companions that Abu Dhar did not imagine himself out of his humility to be in the same class as though he was radiallahu ta'ala anhu with his righteousness. And subhanAllah, that brings us to... Uh, you know, uh, to a very 
particular incidence of Tabuk. Now, in Tabuk, the Prophet ﷺ was going to tell Abu Dharr something that would stick with him until his death and that would prophesize his death, which is similar to what the Prophet ﷺ did, for example, with Uthman ibn Affan anhu. This narration from Ibn Mas'ud anhu describes the scene of Tabuk. Now, Tabuk was, of course, a difficult expedition in which the hypocrites were exposed. They gave all sorts of excuses. They tried to demoralize the entire Muslim army. It's what we find the, the harsh admonition from Allah in, uh, or in regards to in the Quran. Okay, the hypocrites that tried to give excuses and, and actually demoralize the rest of the army as well to not go along with the Prophet So what's happening here? Obviously Abu Dharr is no hypocrite. Ibn Mas'ud says that there were a group of Muslims, there were some that held back and they started to give all sorts of different excuses to the Prophet And the Prophet he accepted their excuses and he went forth with those Sahaba that stuck with him in Tabuk. He said that the further that they got into the expedition, the more exhausted the army became. And so at that point, you started to have people falling off from the army of Tabuk. Why? Because it was hot. It was in the peak of the summer. And so people were exhausted. And so as they're going along in this journey, another group of people fall behind and they give excuses. And the Prophet ﷺ continues to march forward as his army is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And listen to what the Prophet ﷺ said. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as they were going, and some people would be left behind, uh, some, the Sahaba that were with the Prophet would say, Ya Rasulullah, we still have these people that are left behind. The Prophet said, it's okay, let's keep going. And if there is any khair in him, if Allah knows of any good in him, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause him to reach you. And if he is, uh, if it's other than that, meaning if he doesn't have any good in him, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has relieved us of him. All right, so if people are getting left behind and they're making their excuses and they're dropping off, let's not hold up the whole army, continue to march forward. If Allah sees good in them, Allah will cause them to catch up. And if they are of the other group of the hypocrites, then uh, we're relieved of them anyway. They're a burden upon us anyway, and we don't need them. So at some point, as they're on this expedition, um, the Prophet ﷺ takes note and the people take note that Abu Dharr is missing. Abu Dharr is not a hypocrite. Abu Dharr is not one to make excuses. This is the man who first went out and took beatings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the Messenger right? He's not one that's going to hold back. So it was a little surprising to those that were around the Prophet and to the Prophet as well that Abu Dharr was not with them. So uh, they told the Prophet um, that Abu Dharr uh, stayed behind and they, uh, you know, they, they said that, you know, it might be that his camel had slowed down because even the camels were getting exhausted in this expedition. So the Prophet ﷺ repeated, let's just continue to go forward. Now, what was happening with Abu Dhar? Abu Dhar, his camel indeed had become weak. And because his camel gave out in the hot weather and uh, due to thirst and Abu Dhar was not able to care for his camel, it started to stumble. Uh, due to its uh, fatigue. And so Abu Dhar, he keeps on trying to move the camel forward and the camel slows down and slows down and slows down. So Abu Dhar gets left behind. Now Abu Dhar at this point 
because he realized that the army with the Prophet ﷺ had gotten so far ahead, he gets off of his camel, he grabs his belongings, he leaves his camel behind and he runs as fast as he can by foot to join the Prophet ﷺ and the companions. So the next day, I mean, this is how far behind he'd fallen. The next day, uh, the Muslims uh, were, were, were together around the Prophet ﷺ and they see a man running in a cloud of dust uh, behind him. And look at what the Prophet ﷺ says. The Prophet ﷺ says, Kun abadar. Let it be Abu Dhar. <laughs> this is his love for Abu Dhar. Let it be Abu Dhar. I hope it's Abu Dhar. So the Sahaba, they, when they heard the Prophet ﷺ say that, uh, they went to see who it was and they uh, shouted out to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, it's Abu Dhar. It's Abu Dhar. And the Prophet ﷺ was so happy that it was Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Yarhamullah, may Allah have mercy on Abu Dhar. Ya'ishu wahda wa yamutu wahda wa yub'athu wahda. He said, may Allah have mercy on you, O Abu Dhar. He walks alone, he dies alone, and he will be resurrected alone. He lives alone, he dies alone, and he'll be resurrected alone. SubhanAllah, that's an amazing prophecy, right? But that Abu Dhar has always been a loner. He's always been by himself, and he will die alone as well, and he will be resurrected on the Day of Judgment alone. And of course, this was a sense of praise for Abu Dhar anhu, not a sense of belittling him or putting him down, but that Abu Dhar always, he's defined by being alone. And subhanAllah, years go by, the Prophet ﷺ passes away, and Abu Dhar anhu lives to see the era of Uthman anhu, and he lives to see uh, you know, Islam spreading through the world, and he lives to see Asham, greater Syria, coming into Islam, and he sees the wealth that comes into the Ummah. And Abu Dhar remembered the, the hard days with the Prophet And Abu Dhar, who was a Zahid, who was an ascetic, he didn't like this. So he would constantly argue with the people over the wealth that was coming into the Ummah. And because he was, you know, he, he found it too difficult. I mean, imagine, subhanAllah, he could not take seeing the goodness that came into the ummah in terms of the wealth. He found it too difficult to understand and to, uh, uh, to connect with the people as the wealth was coming into the ummah. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, you know, for the sake of, of this lecture. But eventually, you know, what he sees as this pursuit of pleasure or this pursuit of riches and wealth, eventually he asks Sir Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, to live in a place known as uh, Arabatha. So uh, Arabatha would be on the outskirts uh, of the city. Uh, it's to the east of Medina on the way to Iraq. He said, you know, I wanna live by myself. Do I have permission to go live by myself away from the people? Cause he could not, he, he just could not, uh, you know, uh, connect with the new status of so many people, of the wealth that was coming into the ummah. And so Uthman anhu approved his request. So uh, he goes and he lives by himself with his wife and with one young boy. He lives by himself in the middle of nowhere. No one else lived in Rabatha. And uh, the only time that you would see Abu Dhar is if you were on your way from Medina to Iraq or back. Okay, which is very important. And there's, some, you know, there's a narration that a man passed by and he's found uh, Abu Dhar's house all by himself. And he says to him, you know, where are your possessions? And he said, 
uh, we have a house in the hereafter to which we send the best of our possessions. We don't have our possessions here. We send our possessions to the hereafter. So his zuhud, his asceticism was very different, was very unique in that sense. And he stays away from the people and he lives in this situation where he's not around the community anymore and he's living, as the Prophet ﷺ said, alone. Now, subhanAllah, in a rabada, his, uh, his, his, his death starts to come. And as he's dying, as he's starting to feel the hardships of death, his wife is weeping. Why? Because, you know, obviously she doesn't know what to do. We live in the middle of nowhere. So he's going to die here. You know, there's not going to be a janazah for him. Who's going to take care of him, right? He's, he's just, he's not in the same situation as the other Sahaba. And this is a great Sahabi of the Prophet ﷺ. And what does Abu Dhar say? He comforts his wife by saying that the Prophet ﷺ uh, told a group of us that a group of believers will find you and pray upon you. So he told me that a group of believers will find you, will find me and they will pray upon me. And, uh, you know, I know that a sadiq, I know that the truthful one, the Prophet ﷺ would not tell me except for the truth. So don't worry. Allah will send some believers and they will take care of me. They'll prepare me for death and they'll uh, pray janazah on me as the Prophet ﷺ has said because that is a prophecy that is yet to happen. So Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu lays down and he dies in the middle of nowhere. And his wife and this young boy, uh, they wash him and they uh, put the kafan around Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And I want you to imagine the scene. SubhanAllah, in the middle of nowhere, they, uh, his wife then goes out and she holds his body and she, she just leaves his body. She sits with his body stretched out, laying down in his kafan on the route and keeping to what Abu Dhar said that a group of believers would come and they would find Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and they would take care of him. And subhanAllah, at that moment, a group of believers comes through. And again, this is the route of Medina to Iraq. And who is leading this group of people? Who is this group of people? It's none other than Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu and some of his students. SubhanAllah. These first two companions that entered into Islam together and had very similar statuses. Ibn Mas'ud who remembered the incident of Tabuk and it just so happened that Allah sent none other than that great scholar, that great companion at that moment with his students. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu walking, traveling by the house of Abu Dhar and he sees the body of Abu Dhar stretched out and Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu comes and he brings his students with him and he sees Abu Dhar and he starts to weep. He starts to weep. He, he, he sees Abu Dhar and subhanAllah, he starts to weep and he goes down and he kisses the forehead of Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he says, recalling, he re repeats what the Prophet said to Abu Dhar. He said, Rahimakallah ya Abu Dhar. May Allah have mercy on you, O Abu Dhar. Ta'ishu wahdak wa tamutu wahdak wa tub'athu wahdak. You will live alone, you will die alone, and you will be raised alone. SubhanAllah, think about that incident. It's, it's you know, you can't make a movie, you know, where things would be uh, put so perfectly in place. Abu, Abu Dhar and Ibn Mas'ud came into Islam together. And here Ibn Mas'ud, who remembered that incident of Tabuk, and who is now you know, not, not only uh, not away from the people, but recognized as, as this Qur'an, this legacy of Qur'an amongst the people, a governor and someone that is transforming the ummah with the Qur'an and he sees his friend outstretched in the middle of nowhere, 
two different journeys, but they end up at the same point together. And Ibn Mas'ud kissing him and honoring him. And then who prays Janaz on him? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And that group of students of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And truly, Abu Dhar lives alone. He dies alone. And he will be raised up on the Day of Judgment alone, meaning with a special status. SubhanAllah, there's so many different things that we could take from this. But I think it's important for us to just acknowledge and to appreciate different personalities. Yet their different personalities did not stop them from reaching that elite status that the Prophet ﷺ had spoken about. And so Abu Dhar was a unique ascetic, he was a unique zahid. But at the same time, look at what happens with him and look at the position that he has in Al-Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him, and have mercy upon him and gather us with him and all of the companions and the prophets and the martyrs and the righteous ones with our Prophet Sallallahu in Jannah Al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.